When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we started doing virtual visits. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. Joined today by John Literary. If you're out there on Twitter, give John a follow at J O N L I T T E R I N E. You can find me at JakeSki52. Today we're going to be making our fantasy picks for the UFC 202 uh, main card and some of the uh, some of the headliners for the uh, earlier cards here. Uh, just a quick note before we get going, we're just getting going with this MMA podcast, so if you happen to be listening on iTunes or Stitcher, please take a second to rate and review the podcast. It'll be greatly appreciated. John, thanks for joining me today. Let's get right into it. UFC President Dana White has stated that win or lose Saturday, Conor McGregor will return to defend his title in the featherweight division. Would you say this is the right move for McGregor in the UFC? Uh, yeah, I would. And I, I thought it was the right move. Now, I'm on record as saying I'm not a real big fan of this McGregor-Diaz thing. It certainly wouldn't have happened again if McGregor won the first fight. There's enough talent and depth in the UFC's featherweight division that I think that Connor, as one of the biggest stars in the sport, should be down there defending his belt. Um, I certainly think people, even though McGregor lost the first fight to Diaz, obviously, Diaz is a much bigger opponent, and there's certainly some luster to, taken off the fact that McGregor now has a loss, but you know, the fact of the matter is, he was just that very dominant, well, as dominant as he's been in the featherweight division. So according to what Dana White said, if McGregor's next fight, if McGregor wants his next fight to be anywhere other than 145 pounds, he's going to have to relinquish his belt. And uh, that's not something I see him doing. Yeah, so absolutely I would, not. Imagine, you know, I would imagine his next fight, winner or lose against Diaz, will be against Jose Aldo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's a good fight to make, a good fight the fans want to see, although certainly earned the right after convincingly beating Frankie Edgar at 202. 
But let's turn our attention to the main event, that long-anticipated rematch between Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz. Entering the fight here, DraftKings salaries. Diaz pretty cheap at 9200 McGregor the favorite, 10400 uh, McGregor comes in as a minus-125 favorite. Diaz roughly around plus-105, but I've seen him as a minus-105 as well here. Odds to finish in this one, minus-485. So Vegas is predicting a knockout or submission, some sort of... Uh, some sort of finish to this bout here. Uh, John, overall, when you're breaking this uh, fight down from a fantasy standpoint here, what are the main things that you're going to watch for, and how do you see this one playing out? Well, you know, I think this sets up very similar to the first fight in the sense that in a striking battle, if it's a kickboxing match, you McGregor should have the advantage despite the fact Diaz is the bigger of the two fighters. And you wonder, McGregor was a very very heavy favorite for the first fight between the two and Nate Diaz in his last two fights has looked better than really arguably any point in his UFC career after a break of over a year he came back in December and easily defeated Michael Johnson in what was a 15 minute kickboxing match that fight wasn't close Diaz absolutely tuned Johnson up on the feet he was quicker in every striking exchange and then he obviously defeated McGregor in March. So I think this fight sets up similarly to the first fight in the sense that if it's going to be another extended kickboxing match, um, I would still take McGregor. If you're confident that Diaz can somehow get the fight to the mat, I could certainly um, see an argument for picking him to win. I picked McGregor. um, I'm just under the belief that with a full training camp and with time to prepare and with John Cavanaugh in his corner, who is one of the most underrated coaches in the world, to come up with a game plan for the struggles of the first fight, I think that they'll be able to devise something that will work. Now, in the first fight, one of the big reasons I picked McGregor was because I wasn't confident that Diaz would be able to get away from all the antics and you know all that stuff. And... What happened yesterday at the weigh-ins with, uh, not the weigh-ins, excuse me, at the press conference with, you know, them throwing bottles at each other and all that other other stuff that went on, I think that worries me more about Diaz than it does about McGregor. Um, And this, you know, we should point out, this is a little different. This isn't like the John Jones, Daniel Cormier situation where that was two guys who don't like each other, obviously. I, I believe these two guys don't like each other either. But this was more, it seems to be more of like an entourage-related thing. You know, the, mm-hmm. the people with them were the ones who you know caused most of this. So um, Nate did a better job in the first fight than I thought he would as far as controlling his emotions and not, you know, fighting like an idiot and playing to the crowd and all, and all that stuff. So if you wanted to make an argument that not only Diaz could win, I would listen to that. If you want to make an argument that Diaz is the better value play, um, I would listen to that as well. Um, I'm picking McGregor, but this is another close fight. And, um, you know, four or five months ago, if you would have said that Conor McGregor would be fighting Nate Diaz and, you know, he would be a very slight favorite, I think you'd have a lot of people awfully surprised. Yeah. I would, so, yeah. So I was going to say, myself included. Yeah, it's close. You know, it's close. It's one of those fights where if. You know, either guy won, I, I wouldn't be surprised. So those are the kind of fights 
you know, I always say if, if you're undecided and you don't, you, you know, you're on the fence and you don't know what direction to go in, I always tell you to take the underdog because the payoff is bigger, just common sense stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I pick McGregor to win, but um, I'd certainly be willing to listen to an argument that uh, Diaz is the better play. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you that argument right here, John. Uh, I'm going with Diaz to pick the fight, even if their DraftKings salaries were the same. I think I'd still go with Diaz to, to uh, win the fight. I mean, we mentioned McGregor finally having a full camp with Coach Kavanaugh and all of that playing into his advantage. Diaz took the last fight on 11 days' notice. He's going to have a full camp as well, so you can't discount that. And then, for me, the other, biggest, the other big factor is Diaz is simply the bigger man. And I know Conor McGregor, I would probably give him the edge in, in pure striking just because of uh, his unique way of approaching striking, the way he can hit you from so many angles that that is very difficult to defend. But I also have confidence in Diaz's chin that he can hold up. He held up for a lot longer than I thought the other day. I mean, I heard McGregor in an interview compare him to like uh, Homer Simpson in that, in that Simpsons episode where Homer would just kind of sit there, get hit a whole bunch of times, and then push the other guy over. Of course, that's, that's an animation illustration of this, but Diaz can get hit, and if he does get the fight to the ground, I mean, the way that he was able to work Connor in the last fight is convincing enough for me. So I think Diaz can withstand just enough and then and then kind of take it from there. I, I think the, the bigger man physically wins this fight. When it comes to DraftKings, 9,200 for Diaz, I think I'm going to put him in, in quite a few lineups that way. But, uh, we, I mean, again, I'm with you, though, John. This is a close fight. I wouldn't be completely shocked. If McGregor won, if he lands one of those uh, one of those strikes just right, I could see him walking away here and then hopefully returning back to featherweight to defend that belt. So I can see it from both sides, but you're going to go McGregor, I'm going to go Diaz. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is uh, I, I just I there's enough to me. There's just there's enough depth at featherweight and enough quality fighters at featherweight that I guess I don't I mean don't really see the point to this. Obviously, the point of this is you know eyeballs and money so you know we know what the point of this is but it, you know if if the it, then you run into that you know the age-old argument what's more important is it you know is it championships and prestige and all that or you know is it lining your pocket so i think either way this is at least for now this is going to be the end of mcgregor's run anywhere other than 145 pounds but then you're back to you know the saying Say he does lose, and he he's now the loser of back to back fights. Is that gonna that will that would certainly take some luster off of a rematch against Jose Aldo? So it, it's definitely a close fight that could go either way, and the ramifications of the of the result of this fight are going to impact multiple divisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a risk that he, of course he's willing to take, and hopefully comes out on top here for his sake. Because I mean, I'm sure the UFC would like to see McGregor come out out on top to uh, improve his marketability. The weight cut at 145 for McGregor has proven to be a tough one, uh, so maybe 155 at some yeah, point. I, that he, that's what everybody says. You know, we talk about all the time about guys moving up a division or moving. You know, he moved up two divisions. Yeah. He, just, he skipped lightweight altogether. So because mm-hmm. he was supposed to fight Dos Anjos at 155, Dos Anjos mass- hurt himself. That's what set up the original Diaz he's a, fight. He's a massive featherweight. Mm-hmm. He'd be an average sized lightweight. You know, maybe slightly above average. Nothing crazy. But you know he's he's small for he's a small, small welterweight. welterweight yep. Imagine know, him going up against Lawler, Woodley, right. McDonald, those types of fighters. Yep. But it would be a that's problem. another conversation. It would yeah, it would be a problem. So you know it, it, it's going to be like you said, it's entirely dependent on how he's going to be able to deal with you know a guy who's bigger and longer than he is. 
All right. Well, we've got another co-main event that uh, should uh, warrant some attention on Saturday. That's a matchup for the essentially for the number one light heavyweight contender in a division that's relatively shallow here. We've got Anthony Rumble Johnson against Glover Teixeira. Johnson about a minus 200 favorite, Teixeira plus 165. Money looks to be moving slightly towards Teixeira, but very ne- negligible there. Johnson's still a big favorite. 10,700 on DraftKings for Johnson, 8,700 on DraftKings for Teixeira. This is another one Vegas thinks is going to finish. We've got a minus 325 odds to finish here. I think the consensus among a lot of experts is that we're going to see a patented Rumble Johnson knockout here, but I'm not sure I want to underestimate Glover Teixeira either. How do you see this one playing out, John? Well, I, I certainly wouldn't underestimate Glover Teixeira. You know, the thing that, the way I, I sum this up is that, really simply, is I'm picking Rumble Johnson over any light heavyweight not named Daniel Cormier or John Jones, which that is pretty much what it comes down to. Now, Glover is pretty much perennially underrated. Uh, mm-hmm. he, for a guy who has had as successful excuse me, career as Teixeira has, he rarely, rarely gets talked about. And part of that is he got his title shot against John Jones in April 2014 in a fight that I was at, and it wasn't close. Jones, he got it. Glover ended up going the distance, but Jones just dissected him, and that certainly took some of the luster you know, off of jo- off of off of Teixeira. But Glover's a guy, and we all talk about Rumble's power, as we should. He's might be he might have more one punch knockout power than any guy in the sport. But Glover's power is right up there. Glover has a lot of power in his hands as well. But the difference in this fight figures to be Glover's. Strength is his wrestling. He's averaged nearly 2.6 takedowns per fight. And it never gets talked about either because all we talk about is his power. But Rumble Johnson's takedown defense throughout his UFC career is nearly 80%, which is obviously terrific. So Glover definitely also has the ability to land that one-punch knockout power. But, you know, the, the thing is Glover at his advanced age – He's now, I believe, he's thirty-eight years old. Yeah, I think he's are thirty-six, you, maybe, but, uh, uh, but yeah, four years older than Rumble. Thirty-six. Yes. Are you really confident that a thirty-six-year-old is going to be able to get out of the way of, of you know what figures to be a countless number of power combinations? Because it, the bottom line is, and that's this is this doesn't just go for Glover. This goes for anyone. If you stand in front of Rumble Johnson for an extended period of time, you're going to go to sleep, yeah. and that's that's you're getting hit. that's everybody. No doubt about it, and that's what makes Johnson such an attractive DraftKings play, even at 10,700, because to be successful on DraftKings, you need to find those knockouts, specifically those early ones, and I'm not sure Teixeira would, uh, maybe he makes it a round through, but again, you can't stand in front of Rumble, I think we can't emphasize that point enough, I mean, even if Teixeira, if you wanted to try to make a case for him, even at 8,700, if he were to win, I think it would be a wrestling heavy type match that almost would go the distance if that were the case. And I just don't see that happening. I see Rumble Johnson getting there. And I'm going to fi- put Rumble Johnson in, probably in a lot of DraftKings lineup, just hopefully searching for that big bonus there. Yeah, I mean, you know, and the other thing, the other thing about Rumble is he's had some cardio issues in the past. He definitely tired late in the Daniel Cormier fight. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this isn't a five-round fight. This is a three-round fight. So I would certainly take that into consideration should, you know, should he get another title shot. And Dana White was asked the other day if the winner of this fight, you know, because no one really knows what's going on with John Jones. 
Dana White was asked the other day, is the winner of this fight going to get the next the next light heavyweight title shot? And while he wouldn't can you know directly come out and confirm it, the answer was more or less yes. Yeah, DC so, seems to be confident that he's right. getting the winner. Yeah. If you watch UFC tonight at all last night, uh, Cormier believes that he's getting the winner, and he addressed each of those guys as if it were set in stone that he was getting the winner. Yeah, he, he is. So, and like you said, you know, the thing why you know why I really have a hard time making a case for Teixeira winning. If you're going to put guys in your lineup who are massive underdogs, you wanted you you almost always have to put it. It always almost has 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 to be a guy who has a lot of power. And Teixeira does have a lot of power. Now, like you said, that w- if he is to win, that wouldn't be the way I would predict him to win. I, I would expect him to win in grinding, you know, type of fight. But if he he does have power, so you know, if you're going to put that a guy like that with a low salary in your lineup, at least. Teixeira gives you the option of a guy who does have that potential. Yeah, maybe someone to consider in, in some of those big tournaments for maybe one out of your five lineups if you need to set yourself apart from the competition. But overall, not, not I don't think he's the greatest value play, even at 8,700 here. But we've got another welterweight bout here that we're going to talk about next. Uh, pr- pretty solid fight here we've got between Rick the Horror Story and Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Story enters with a DraftKings salary of 9,400. He's roughly a plus 145 dog. Cerrone has a $10,000 DraftKings king's salary minus 165 favorite money hasn't moved a whole lot on that lately looking pretty close to where we're at here odds to finish though plus 120 so there seems like a decent chance this one could go to a decision here i noticed on our staff picks column that uh both you myself and evan all pick cowboy cerrone in this one you want to kind of tell us what at least led you to that decision well you know the thing the thing is this is kind of this kind of sets up a a fight in the sense that these are two guys who are extremely similar. They're durable guys who fight often, who seemingly have little weaknesses in their game. It's just it seems that everything Story does, it seems that Cerrone does just a little bit better. Um, you know, Story is a is a very good wrestler. You know, near over two and a half takedowns a fight. Cowboys takedown defense throughout his career. UFC, you know, extended UFC career. 70%. Um, Cowboy throws more on the feet. Um, and I, I agree. I certainly agree with the fact that I'm not sure either of these guys are a great play because I would certainly think that this fight is going the distance. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of these guys have been around a long time and they're two of the most durable guys in the sport in any division. They're just guys, two guys that are difficult to finish. Mm-hmm. So, this this makes this makes it a hard thing a hard play because there's real I can't really say with any confidence why I certainly think Cerrone is going to win I have a hard time saying that I think he'll win early because story is just so durable so well, I think Cowboy is just more, Cowboy's more or less just a better version of Story which is why I think he's the clear pick to win but I think you're looking at an extended fight here. Yeah, I would, I would have to agree with you there, and I think that's the perfect reason to probably stay away from this one on DraftKings. I could see maybe considering Cowboy because his price is only 10000 You don't have to pay up a ton for him. Maybe going in like a 50-50 or cash game where you need to be safe and conservative and pick pretty safe fights. I think Cerrone, you can make a case for him in that. But overall, uh, probably not one you want to go heavy in on DraftKings. 
Well, there are two more fights on the main card here, but they're both pretty lopsided. You've got Hyung Yu Lim and Mike Perry, Lim a 270 favorite. And there's also Saba Hamasi and Tim Means. Uh, Hamasi replacing Sean Strickland on short notice. Means is a minus 440 favorite in those. Those are pretty lopsided. So we're going to actually talk about some other fights here on this one uh, where we uh, go to the FS1 main event and then the UFC Fight Pass main event. And one of the fights that I'm most excited for in the evening is going to be the uh, the main event of the FS1 card. That is Cody Garbrandt against Takia Mizugaki in a bantamweight bout here. Uh, Garbrandt going to enter as a minus 550 favorite. Just a huge favorite. You can't really spread the money out more than that. But Garbrandt only 10300 on DraftKings with his opponent checking in at 9100 And odds to finish minus 195 here. It seems all the factors are leading up to Garbrandt being an excellent DraftKings play. The one thing that concerns me, though, is he's already calling out Bantamweight champion Dominic Cruz. Is there any chance that he's getting too far ahead of himself in this one, John? Or is is Garbrandt in for just a regular regular day in the octagon? Well, I don't think he's getting too far ahead of himself in the sense that he's going to have a hard time beating Mizugaki. Don't get me wrong. Even if he torches Mizugaki in the first you know minute, um, he's not. I certainly am not going to pick him to beat Dominic Cruz. But um, this, to me, seems pretty straightforward. Mizugaki, um, I've never been a big fan simply because if you look at his peripherals and you look at all his numbers and everything, he's a guy who appears that he shouldn't be as effective as he is. You know, he's, he does things, he does a bunch of things well. He does nothing great. You know, he's a good athlete. He's not a great athlete. You know, he's a good, he's a good, probably slightly above average wrestler. He's not an elite wrestler. He does a lot of things well, but, he, you know, he's not a standout in any one particular area. And I couldn't have been more impressed by Garbrandt's fight against, against Thomas Almeida, the main event fight they had um, just a few months ago in May. Everyone was counting him out of that one uh, because everyone was all on Almeida as the up-and-coming prospect. Garbrandt took care of business and right. left little question. I, uh, I picked Almeida in that fight, and the reason I picked Almeida was because I was concerned that Garbrandt, his aggressive style of fighting leads to a guy, leads to him getting hit a lot. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think that's a problem against a guy like Mizugaki who doesn't have much power. I don't think that would affect him in the least. And it ended up not affecting him in the Almeida fight because he jumped on Almeida so early that Almeida never even had a, ch- you know, never had a chance to do anything. So Garbrandt is, and I like the UFC's decision to kind of, they're putting Garbrandt in important fights in big spots, but they're not overwhelming him with the quality of opponent. Put it this way. I would pick Almeida all day long over Mizugaki. So if you want to look at it that way, I guess you could say maybe this is Mm -hmm. even a bit of an easier fight for Garbrandt if you want to say that. But he, he's certainly a very strong fighter with a very bright future. And I think this is going to be a – I would imagine this is going to be a fairly easy, easy night for him. And like you mm-hmm. said, I was very surprised that his DraftKings salary was so low. I, if you know, Looking at it blind, I would have guessed that he was – you're looking at – at, In the 11,000 range. At, you know, I, I was going to say like three or four – at least three 10, or four dollars. I could see 10-8 for him. Yeah, so um, this seems pretty straightforward to me. 
Yep, he seems like a good lock into most DraftKings lineup. Cody Garbrandt, uh, put it down in Sharpie here for uh, your DraftKings lineups on Saturday. Well, you One know more. what that means. You know, now he's going to lose. So Yeah, of course. Exactly. Now, yeah, I, I, I might have just jinxed it, so watch it, guys. He shouldn't even show up to the arena. Yeah, pretty much. All right. Well, hey, we got one more uh, match that's worth checking out here. Uh, that is the finale of the FS. I'm sorry, the, Fo- the Fight Pass prelims here. Uh, we got a solid matchup between Neil Magny, who's won 10 of his last 11. He's going to be taking on Lorenz Larkin here. Magny 10-5 on DraftKings, Larkin 8-9. Uh, Magny minus 140 uh, favorite, Larkin plus 115. The money actually seems to be moving slightly towards Magny, but overall pretty negligible there. Odds to finish, we've got plus 155, so uh, seems like a pretty decent chance of a decision. Both men are 25 here. Uh, is this one that you can look at for an upset here? Or do you see Magny continuing the momentum that he's been building of late? I, you know, when they, for those who don't know, after these, the DraftKings salaries and the Vegas odds are usually put up, you know, about a week before events. Um, main event odds go up earlier, but, you know, the undercard fights like this one usually go up about a week before and before I saw this, I, I would have guessed that Larkin would have been the favorite for this fight. I was borderline shocked that not only Magni is the favorite, but, you know, a, a halfway, not, you know, not a crazy number or anything, but the DraftKings, you know, comfortable. You know, Magni's draft, you know, DraftKings number would lead you to believe that, you know, he's a clear favorite in this fight. And I read this, and I was shocked. And I am certainly, I am all over Larkin in this fight in a big way. Um, as long as we've been doing, um, you know, the draft, we've had, you know, Rotorage sec- MMA section. This was one of the, once, you know, once in a while, you'll, you'll look at an, an odds or a, a salary or something in a fight, and you'll say, wow, you know, that seems too good to be true. And and this is one of them for me. I am really big on Lorenz Larkin. He he fought he fought as high as light heavyweight. He he spent all, virtually all of his career in a higher weight class. And since he's dropped down to welterweight, he, he's been an absolute savage. Um, you know, John defeat three won three of his last four. The only loss in that span was to Albert Tumanov. Split decision. A, very close split decision, and Albert Tumanov is one of, if not the most underrated welterweight in the world. So, um, and the thing with Neil Magny is, and you know, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Neil Magny has won. I want to. I believe it's ten of his last eleven fights. Mm-hmm. Um, his only loss in that span was to Damian Maya in what was a fight that Magny just couldn't keep up on the ground. That was, you know, it was just, mm-hmm. not that anyone really can keep up with Maya on the ground. But Magny was especially overwhelmed. But give Neil Magny credit. He's not a great athlete. He doesn't appear to have any one, you know, real quality skill to fall back on. But he improves every single time he fights. He shows different things. But, you know, the thing, and I I say this all the time also, he's limited athletically. Mm -hmm. And... In my opinion, if you always in this all sports really, but in this sport especially, if you don't know what to do, you bet on you bet on a great you bet on the good athletes. Mm-hmm. And Lorenz Larkin is a better athlete than Neil Magny is, 
And on top of that, he figured Larkin might have twice as much power as Magni. Magni does not have a lot of power. So this was about as clear cut a upset pick for me as as we've had. You'll definitely see fights, you know, yeah, you always have to pick upsets, but most of them you're kind of wavering like, oh, you know, you say like, you know, the McGregor Diaz fight. Diaz is the owner. You know, Diaz, you know, certainly could win, but you know, McGregor's probably a slight favorite. That's not the case for me in this fight. I I I immediately and without hesitation pick Lorenz Larkin. Yeah, that, I think that makes a valid point and it is salary here at um, 8,900 can help you do a whole lot of things with your lineup, get some of those favorites in there. So there's absolutely a lot to like about that, and I think I'm going to be with you there on that one. Yeah, I mean, but- in the list, in the list it just say, you know, in you know, the interest of full disclosure, Magni continues to beat guys no one thinks he's going to beat. So, yeah. you know, he, so, you know, you have to give him credit for that. He, he continues to, you know, upset guys yep. that you don't think he's going to be able to beat. But you know, as I said, one of one of these days, this is going to run out. Exactly. But then again, it's already lasted longer than anyone mm-hmm. thought it would. So yeah. you know, who really knows? I mean, hey, ten of eleven fights, ten of eleven—that's something. I mean, and I mean, they're he, they're good. You know, they're, he has quality wins in there. Yeah, Gastelum, who's ranked higher than him, I think that's good, a big one. Good guy. I remember the a uh, couple years ago, um, I went. I was at the card in Newark on Super Bowl weekend, and Neil Magny fought the fought Gas Gasan Umalatov. In the first fight of the night, you know, literally the very, he was the first guy who walked out and he, you know, he was a nobody. And since then he, he has won 10 of his, that started his streak of 10 out of 11. So, you know, it's going to come to an end one of these days. Um, and I keep picking against him and he keeps winning. So, you know, maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm helping him out. Yeah, so hey, maybe Magny proves us wrong, and then if that's the case, UFC's got to give him a f- top five opponent at this point. I don't think there's any other excuses there for that. So uh, looking into DraftKings value play, would you say Larkin falls under the best play in terms of value on uh, on Saturday night, or is there anyone else you want to consider? I, I think he's the best value. He, You know, a lot of guys, when they drop down weight classes and you know cut a lot of weight like he does, have problems keeping their power or whatever, you know, losing cardio or whatever. He seems to be just as healthy now and as comfortable now than as he was at all the higher weight classes, which is pretty much the main thing that I look for. So I, like I, I certainly well, – there, pl- there are other guys, people on this card who you can say you know, are good values, but I think this is clearly the best one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I like that. I think my best value play is probably going to be Nate Diaz. I think for 9200 you get another hopefully maybe early submission. You get some good value there here. But So Diaz is going to be mine. One other one I just wanted to throw out there here. I admittedly don't know a lot about these guys. They're starting the first fight of the night here. They've got Marvin Vittori. He's a minus 170 favorite against Alberto Udo, yet, yet he's just 8800 on DraftKings. So if you... Find yourself in a in a place with your lineup where you need some salary relief. Maybe you want to consider that. I I mean, uh, Vittori, seven of his ten wins are by submission, so I guess there is potential for uh, an early stoppage in that one. So just throwing that one out there here. Outside of value, outside of DraftKings stuff, though, John, is there any undercard fight that you're really excited to tune in for? I'm looking forward to the Courtney Casey Random Marcos fight simply because you know Marcos was viewed for a while as one of you know the better the better strawweights in the world, and I'm talking you know top five. And her her ranking her UFC ranking is down to all the way down to thirteen. 
Um, she's two and two in the UFC. Rotated wins and losses. Um, she she just she doesn't look like the person who entered the Ultimate Fighter with a lot of hype. She, you know, it just hasn't been there. And Courtney Casey is coming off a absolute uh, you know whooping um, over Christina Stancio in her last fight in, in July. So, and she very you know I believe that fight lasted like a minute or something. You know, very short. So I'm looking forward to that fight um, simply because I, I'm interested to see if Marcos can bounce back, you know, from, from what has been an inconsistent UFC career. And I think Casey has a lot of potential. A fighter from Hawaii who, you know, led by Max Holloway, there, we're seeing more and more fighters from Hawaii in the UFC. And I think she has easy top 10 potential. So I think that's a fight that's getting overlooked a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for that one, John. The other one I'm looking out for is going to be between Artem Labov and Chris Avila. Of course, Artem is uh, McGregor's teammate, Avila's Diaz's teammate. I think that's going to set things up uh, pretty well, kind of a good precursor to the main event. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of bad blood there. Artem, you may have remembered from The Ultimate Fighter a few years back. Uh, I think Artem's a little bit too high-priced from a DraftKings perspective. He's too big of a favorite based on what he's done so far in the octagon. But regardless of any of that, I think that's going to be a fun fight to watch. You're going to tune in for that one too? Yeah, uh, you know, the whole, the whole card is, the nice thing about this card, and, you know, admittedly, the last, the last few weeks, there have, been, there have been a couple rough cards, but this is, this is one of the cards where not only are there a lot of big names, but all the fights seem to set up well from a, you know, as we say all the time, styles make fights, mm-hmm. and this is a card that is full of guys with contrasting styles that should make for interesting fights. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Well, uh, thanks again for listening to the Roto-Wire Mixed Martial Arts Podcast. Uh, once again, I'm here. I was joined today by John Littering. Thanks for stopping out, John. Give John a follow at J-O-N-L-I-T-T-E-R-I-N-E. You can give me a follow at Jakeski52. John and I are going to be back with you guys prior to UFC 203 in Cleveland. Take care. Thanks.